Welcome to the Life Central Podcast. It is so good to have you come and connect with us again this week. We trust that this session will be helpful to you in your faith journey. Welcome and thank you for joining us. Uh, I recently watched an interview with a former Navy SEAL uh, as he just spoke through uh, what they went through as SEALs, uh, where they went, how they operated. Um, but the thing that caught my attention in this interview was as he spoke through their induction process as to becoming a Navy SEAL. And it was absolutely mind-blowing for me that part of this, this induction process, there was this thing called Hell Week. And, and Hell Week is like the defining event of their induction. And, and Hell Week essentially consists of five and a half days of cold, wet, brutally difficult operational training on fewer than four hours of sleep. And that's not four hours of sleep per day. No, no, no. That is four hours of sleep over five and a half days. Ultimately, Hell Week would test their physical endurance, their mental toughness, their pain and cold tolerance, their teamwork, and what seemed to be exceptionally important, their attitude, as well as their ability to perform and work under high pressure and high physical and mental stress. And obviously that whole sleep deprivation thing. But above all, it tested their determination and their desire. And that was really where attitude played such a key role. Uh, in an article that I read later on, it said that, that on average, only 25% of candidates will actually pass Hell Week will make it through Hell Week um, and therefore it's seen as the toughest training in the United States military. Now, the former Marine, the former SEAL that, that, that I was, um, the interview that I was watching, uh, he said that they had over a hundred candidates for their Hell Week. And by the time those five and a half days were over, there were only 14 of them left. I mean, that's the real deal. They say that, that trainees would have to perform drills that, that would require them to think and to lead and to make sound decisions and, and functionally operate when they're extremely, extremely um, uh, 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 sleep deprived and operating uh, under, uh, 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 where, their, where their bodies have gone into hypotherm hypothermia and ultimately just completely exhausted. They say that teamwork and camaraderie is super important during this time because you're helping the guy next to you to make it through. Uh, it's all part of, of this assessment is how well do you work with the people around you? How do you motivate them to get through? But something that really stood out to me was the fact that throughout Hell Week, instructors with loud hailers <laughs> would stand on the sidelines and entice the cadets to quit, the trainees to quit. 
They would shout insults at them. They would ultimately be mimicking their inner voice that tells them to give in to their physical pain, to just give up. Because the SEAL community is really small, the instructors know that somewhere along the line, they are going to wind up on an active operation with one of their trainees. So for this reason, they would take them through rigorous tests and they would critically assess which trainees have what they call the SEAL ethos, which cadets would also have the physical ability and the character to save their or other trainees' lives. Now this SEAL ethos seems to be something that's exceptionally important to them. And what, what makes up a part of this SEAL ethos is this slogan that, it, that, that says, forged by adversity. Forged by adversity. And as you consider everything that these guys went through over these five and a half days, you can see that lived out, forged by adversity. They talk about adversity being a wing or a weight in your life. It's either this thing that's going to propel you forward or it's this thing that's going to hold you back in life. That ultimately you will be, you will fail because of it or you will be forged by it. Therefore, forged by adversity. And you may be sitting there thinking about the adversity that you're facing right now in your own life. And this whole seal thing sounds fantastic as a story. And you may be thinking to yourself, Ramon, that's absolutely great. But don't forget, they chose that. They chose that. They chose that adversity. But me, I didn't choose that. I didn't choose this. I didn't choose this pay cut. I didn't choose this job loss. I didn't choose this breakup. I didn't choose this diagnosis. This isn't fair. This is not fair. And unfortunately, you're right. It's true. It's not fair. And life, unfortunately, is not fair. And so often we look to God and, and we, we, we want to we wanna, we wanna have it out with Him. But the truth be told, He never promised us that it would be fair. He never told us that it would be fair. But He did promise that He would be there in it with us all the time. I consider the words of Jesus as he speaks to us and, and, and through the book of John, it tells us as Jesus speaks to us and says, here on earth, you'll have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. What's Jesus saying there? He's saying, man, there is stuff that you're going to face in life that's going to be unfair. There's going to be adversity that you will face. 
that is going to feel wrong. It's going to feel like this shouldn't be happening. But then he says, but I have overcome all of that already on your behalf. And he starts all of this off with this line where he says, I've told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Hey, you're going to face tough stuff, but I've overcome the tough stuff and I'm telling you this so that you will have peace in me. It was Charles Spurgeon who made this quote. He said, The Lord's mercy often rides to the door of your heart upon the black horse of affliction. That's quite a, quite a vivid picture that Mr. Spurgeon paints there. The Lord's mercy often rides to the door of our hearts upon the black horse of affliction. And that may be exactly where you feel you are right now. That unfair stuff has happened in your life. This black horse of affliction. And I believe that, that God's message to you and to me right now is to just say, Hey, I've overcome that stuff on your behalf and I'm here to give you peace through this. And as I look through Scripture, I see this to be so true. As I look through Scripture, I, I, I don't see a life of, of easy going, plain sailing, a promise to you or to me. I, I see it through all the historical accounts within Scripture. I think of the life of Abraham. I, I, I can't help when I, when I think of Abraham. Like, what was Abraham thinking when he sent, set out with his entire family to go to a land where he had never been to before, risking everything, catch this, for a voice he thought he heard? I mean, consider Moses. Who was Moses? Who was Moses to think that he could stand up to the most powerful king in all the land? Or, or, or to even attempt this after, after he had so much doubt about his own calling? I think of the prophets. I mean, the prophets... They were quite a special bunch of people. Uh, they weren't the typical suburban folk that y y you'd, you'd normally come into contact with. They weren't very PC. Um, no, I think of the prophet Ezekiel. Uh, I mean, he lay on his side for 390 days eating a very specific diet that was cooked over excrement as he played with a scale model of Jerusalem to show its pending destruction. I mean, imagine that guy was your neighbor. Imagine how David felt after he was thrown into the lion's den. Had he lived a life of faithfulness or had he lived a life of foolishness? He was about to find out. I wonder, would you have advised your kids to do what Peter, James, and John did 
as they just left it all, family, business, the whole, the whole bang shoot, to follow a man that had just burst onto the scene. And some people in the area had started thinking that he was God. Would you, would you have encouraged your kids to pursue him? Think about Paul, the apostle. I mean, here's a guy who went from place to place, who went from prison to prison, painfully misunderstood, but absolutely committed to proclaiming this Jesus that so many people by now were rejecting. See, God never promised you and me a life that would be fair. But he did promise that he would be there in it with us all the way. In 2006, I broke my leg quite badly. Um, I ended up in a wheelchair for three months. I was on crutches for a year. I had to learn how to walk before my wedding day. Um, I had seven surgeries in three years. Uh, and it was quite a traumatic time. It was a very painful experience. However, six months before that, uh, I was sitting with a friend of mine and he was busy telling me about how uh, he was facing adversity in his life as he had broken his leg. Uh, and just what God was doing through that broken leg in his life, how God was using that adversity, that brokenness to, um, to teach him, to just work a process in him. And he said this to me, he said, you know, Ramon, sometimes God is like the mafia. If he wants to get your attention, he'll break your leg. And I laughed at it. He's an Irishman and he had that thick Irish accent. And you know, I just, I laughed in the moment. I thought it was a funny statement, but I didn't pay much attention to it. And here, six months later, I'm lying in a hospital bed in Russia broken, hurting, confused, going through my own adversity. And his words pop back into my head sometimes when God is like the mafia. When he wants to get your attention, he'll break your leg. And I can remember lying there in my heart of hearts just saying, well, you've got my attention. Maybe for you, you hear that statement, you hear that phrase, and it doesn't quite line up with your picture of God or the way that, that you read Scripture. But just for a moment, consider the truth of the words of Elihu, one of Job's good friends. Now, Job was in a position where he had just lost pretty much everything that was dear to his heart. And Elihu comes and speaks to, to Job. And, and, and he says this to Job. He says, But by means of their suffering, he rescues those who suffer. But by means of their suffering, he rescues those who suffer. For he gets their attention through adversity. You may be in a place today 
Were you facing stuff that feels unfair? Were you facing stuff that you just, you just don't believe you should be going through? My prayer for you today is that you'd maybe just stop and for a moment lean into the words of Elihu to Job. Just lean into the statement and maybe make it your own. Maybe read this in a way where you read it, but by means of my suffering, he rescues me who suffers, for he gets my attention through adversity. That he's not punishing you today, but that he's busy with a process in you today. It was during this time of my own brokenness where I was hurting and, and, and just going through stuff, where I was having a, a conversation with, with, with a guy who'd come to see me. And essentially, the guy said this. He, he said to me, he said, you know, on the other side of the greatest battles lies the greatest victories. On the other side of the greatest battles lies the greatest victories. He said, Ramon, you're not going through this in vain. This is preparation for the future. It's preparation for the future. I'm not a big fan of Christian cliches. And in the moment, it could have sounded like this, like, like one, but it definitely wasn't. As he said it, those words penetrated my heart. You see, I didn't know what the future held. I didn't know that four years later that we would go through a, a devastating divorce in our family. That, that seven years after that, we would go through a second devastating divorce in our family that would rip a hole right through a very tight-knit group of people. That God is still busy repairing today all these years later. I didn't realize that God would use physical pain to prepare me for the emotional and the mental and even the spiritual pain that I would go through during that time. But not just that, that I would have to lead my family through during that time. Sometimes the greatest battles on the other side of the greatest battles lies the greatest victories. And God is just preparing us for something in the future. You see, in all truth, our faith will be defined most in the seasons where life is the worst. But I spoke about Christian cliches. You know, in those moments, Christian cliches were useless to me. You know those statements, you know? Oh, don't worry, everything happens for a reason. <laughs> when God closes a door, He'll open a window. Rubbish, man. I don't need to hear that stuff in those moments. They don't mean anything. But you see, it was in the worst moments of my life that all I had was the reality of God in my life. The reality of who Jesus is in my life. It was the reality of God in my life 
that was personified as, as I sensed him gently reminding me of his promises for my life. It all started that moment that I was lying on the tarmac in the middle of nowhere in some distant continent, some distant country. As fear started to set into my heart, as pain was penetrating through my entire body, as God just dropped in my heart, hey, you call me your salvation. What am I right now? At the time, my favorite scripture was, was this Psalm 27, which just says, The Lord is my rock and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? And God starts reminding me of that promise lying on a tarmac in the middle of nowhere. It became an anchor for my life in that moment. He's my rock. He's my salvation. He's the stronghold of my life. Days later, as fear starts setting in again, as doctor's reports start rolling in, I remember so clearly another one of his promises just in Joshua 1 verse 6 starts, starts to resonate inside of me again. Hey, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. And it was in those moments, guys and ladies, that my faith became crystal clear. It was the most clear thing in life in those moments. You see, our faith will be defined most in the seasons where life is the hardest. But our faith is best when it's fastened to actual promises and not just future outcomes. Optimism will get you so far, but it'll only get you so far. You see, it's not about projecting this optimistic view with our hopes and our dreams onto our future. No. It's about trusting God's process in our lives. And it's about anchoring ourselves to His promises for our lives. We spoke about the Apostle Paul a little earlier on. I mean, he'd been shipwrecked, he'd been beaten up, he'd, he'd, he'd been imprisoned, I don't know how many times, flogged, he'd, he'd been stoned, not by weed, but by big boulders. I mean, the crazy stuff had happened to this guy, shipwrecked, bobbing in the sea for a day and a night, crazy stuff. And here again, him and a friend are imprisoned, <laughs> and as they're shackled in a dungeon, what do they do? Do they... Do they let this thing sink them? Do they allow their adversity to get them under? And they just sit there and moan and mope and groan and wait to die? No. Here's, here's what it says. It says around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening. What a moment. What a moment. And you see what this moment did was, it says the earthquake came and it, it, it broke open their chains. It, it opened up their, 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 their cell door. It didn't just do it for them, but everyone who was listening to them singing hymns and praising God, it, 
it did the same for them. It dropped off their chains and opened their cell doors. You see, you do not do this through mere optimism. <laughs> this happens when you choose, when you choose to trust God's process and when you choose to anchor your life to His promises. How do we know? How do we know that this is what they were doing? Well, it says they were singing, and they were singing hymns. Back then, their hymns were the Psalms. You go read the Psalms. The Psalms are filled with God's promise. God's promise for your life and for my life. God's promise for their lives, and that's what they were singing. See, while I was dealing with my physical pain with this broken leg, I can remember watching a movie called The Guardian. And the movie is really just about um, uh, the, the, the U.S. Coast Guard's facility where they train all their rescue swimmers. And during one of the scenes, one of the instructors says this to the class. He says, the difference between a rescue swimmer and a drowning victim is the attitude with which they both enter the water. Can I repeat that? The difference between a rescue swimmer and a drowning victim is the attitude with which they both enter the water. I come back to what we spoke earlier on about the seals where they talk about being forged in adversity and that adversity will be a wing or a weight. That you will either fail because of it or that you will be forged by it. Our attitudes play such a massive role in how we see life, in how we approach life, in how we receive and accept God's promise for our lives. See, the difference in your life and in my life will be the attitude with which we enter the water of life. I wonder today, what's your next step? Where are you at in this? I, I don't want to minimize your pain. I don't want to minimize or, or brush over the adversity that you're going through. Chances are, oh, I have no idea what you're going through. But at the end of the day, I can't help but think about what we said at the top of the message. That God didn't promise us to go through life pain-free, but He promised that He will be there through every painful moment. Through every moment of adversity and just like Paul and Silas as we go through our worst moments in life we must choose we must choose to trust his process that he's working in us and then we must anchor our lives to his promises for us where are you at with that today is it time to adjust that attitude? Is it time to 
zero that attitude in, to, to invite God into that attitude as we enter into the waters of life daily, that we can trust His process and that we can anchor to His promises. Let me pray for you. Father God, I thank you that no matter what we go through in life, Lord, that you are that refuge, that you are that strong place, that rock, that salvation that we can run to, that you are there through it all, that you never leave us, that you never forsake us, but that you're always there with us. Lord, I pray today that men and women will be willing to allow you into their heart attitudes in approaching life, in approaching adversity. The men and women will allow you into a space to, 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 to allow you to bring in those adjustments, Lord, to, to, to move us from drowning victims to rescue swimmers to move us to a place where we can trust you and your process as we anchor our lives to your promises. That just as with those Navy SEALs in the beginning, that we will have a deep desire, that we will have a deep desire, Lord, and this deep desire being to go and find those promises in you and that as we do lord that we can have hope real hope that you are with us that you guide us and lead us through every moment of every day as we anchor our lives to the hope that is you and the promises that you have for us we pray it all in jesus name amen Thank you for joining us. If you need to reach out to us, please do so through our social media platforms, uh, Life Central Midrand. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, or even connect with us through our YouTube channel. We love you. We see you next week. If you enjoyed this session and you'd like to know more about us, then please come and connect with us through our website, our social media platforms, and come subscribe to our YouTube channel. All the links are listed below. Beyond that, we trust that you have an incredible week.